Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Hello and welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. Uh, Chaz, I'm nostalgic for something today. Do you know what that is? Uh, well, let's see. An anniversary of an anniversary. Yeah, well, I don't even know if it, you could say that because I, like like any good millennial or uh, Generation Z person, I, I'm getting nostalgic for things that just happened. And that uh-huh. thing is the year of 2019. Hey, well, it is. We're, for, as a recording of this, we're four days into 2020. And, you know, That's I true. do, I do miss me. I do miss, miss the good old, I miss the good old days of 2019. I feel like you things know, when, were a little better then. A little better then, you know? A little better shows and stuff. Yeah. Hey, you remember that stuff we did in 2019? You remember that? I remember it. I think it was a little less PC, you know? A little less wimpy. (laughs) Uh Four days ago. Yeah. Yeah, four days ago, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Well, anyway, uh, guess why we're here? Uh, Well, do I I have to? Because I actually actually know. You know. It would be weird for me to guess. I guess you should guess. Let's, Let's just say that we're here to talk about David Bowie. And Bob Dylan, and the year that we just had, and the stuff that they released, and the stuff they did. did. Although David Bowie is still deceased, from what still I deceased. understand. Again this year, spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry still guys. Still dead in 2019. Whew. Sorry. Whew. But anyway. Um, you are the ending in mind, but that's okay. It's all right. That's okay. Bob Dylan's still alive. He's still doing stuff. Talking. Uh-huh. Hey. Uh, hey. Touring. Hey, before we get into that, oh, I yeah. think we have a little somebody that we need to give a shout out to. Uh, take it from there, Jake. Okay, so um, we have a we have a new super fan, and her name is Lindsay, and she uh-huh. she did something, Chaz, that was that was dangerous. She did something I've that definitely not FDA approved. D- not even close. Not even close. In fact, I don't think anyone would approve what she did. And and what she did was she binge listened to the first what do you say forty one. What did she say? She forty two. Well, it was up to that point. All of the episodes. I think it was forty three. I think it was up to that point. She listened to forty. She binge listened to forty three episodes of Us <laughs> in one week. In one week. In a single week. Which, so like, Lindsay, I don't know what you do for your job. I have to assume yeah. this is something where you could, like, I don't know if you're a truck driver or something. Yeah. You're just like listening all the time. But uh-huh. I wow. think she, I think she's a supreme, wow. She's we're loud. We're, we're amazed. I think she's a Supreme Court justice. Justice, and that's all they do. They just listen <laughs> to podcasts. She's sitting there like pretending to listen to stuff. Does the air, the AirPod in? Just listen to podcasts. She's stuff. like, uh, yes, no. <laughs> 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 laughing at inappropriate times or witness testimony. <laughs> uh, like all justices be doing. Anyway, just, we just want to say, like, I hope you're okay, Lindsay. We we uh, wanted to give you a shout also out. We really, also, we really like you at the same time. Absolutely, and, and she's uh-huh. been. Uh, uh, she's been engaging this, with us over the emails and such. We will each independently send you a get well card. Yeah. I'm ready, I'm ready to do that. Okay. Well, you'll get one from sweet Minnesota. It'll have David Bowie's face on it. You know what? <laughs> oh, I guess got to say the, the best reason that, uh, that I like Lindsay as our super fan is in one of the emails, she stated that she used to be a Bowie stan, but then she switched to Dylan. That's why she's I the know, best. That's jazz. A Don't you agree? Like Lindsay. Don't you agree? 
Uh, hey, mm, yep. Let's talk about 2019. Hey, why don't you go for it? I know that. I know that. Here's what I know. I know that uh, Bowie put out roughly 800 vinyl releases. Hey, this is a good right, go transition here, Jake, into a brand new edition. I'm gonna kick things off right mm. off the bat with a brand new edition of Bowie's Fat Stats. <laughs> yeah. This was a <laughs> something I created for a recent 2017 episode. Uh huh. Good on you. Uh, I would have done one for 2018, but didn't think of it when we did that episode. Oh, really can we get the what time machine? That? Fire oh, it up. Fire, Fire it up. Fire the time machine. Uh, it's a good it's good feature for the post-Bowie living years, because there's just so much crap coming out from Bowie. Yeah, we laughed we about go, it. Bowie. We laughed about In it all 2019, year. I have kept careful track of all of it. All of the official... Mm-hmm. Music and video releases from Bowie in 2019. So this it's, isn't stuff that he just like lended his likeness to, or you know, his heirs did. Yeah, this is official music and video releases from David Bowie slash Tin Machine. Yeah. So uh, sit back, cool. sit back, audience. You know, take a nap if you have to. Yeah. It's going to take well, a while. No one to take a nap. No, no, no. Listen. Oh. Keep at least one ear open. Somebody can listen while they nap. Uh, all right. So first of all, Jake, I, I'm going to get into throwing some prices and stuff around here. I am using the suggested retail prices whenever I'm talking about this, which Absolutely. I know often you know often you buy it for significantly less. But I have no like a more other objective way to do this. It's you don't know you, what? Why didn't you? Why didn't you get an average of what every single person bought these for over the course yeah, of okay, the year? Okay, Jake, shut up. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, other things to note here. I don't remember. I was on a roll, and you you just threw me. Yeah, that's that's typical. Uh, it seems. Drew me right off. Uh, oh, I am using physical formats when I'm talking about different things. I am assuming that people who are buying deluxe products of David Bowie are buying them physical. Actually, I don't know if he, had, he didn't have very many digital releases this year, so I don't think it even matters. Anyway, here we go. What's In 2019, on? there were 23 different David Bowie releases. 23? It's not, not counting different variations of the same product. So, oh my like a CD version gosh. and a vinyl version of the same thing. Those only count as one. Oh my god! Final version, like four different colors, only counts. Are as Are you one. serious? Twenty-three different releases. Only twenty-three. <laughs> Six of them contained any previously unreleased recordings. Okay, gotcha. Which is actually much better than usual. Okay. We're up here. Hey, we're hey, up. trending up. Got it. Which and this is significant. There were a total of thirty-seven previously unreleased tracks in twenty nineteen. That is way higher than usual, especially because only five of them were live. Usually, there's like. 25 and all of them are live. That's still Five shameful. Five of them are live. That's still, shame- that? That's still shameful. 37 what? original tracks over 23 separate releases. Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, five of them were live tracks. Uh-huh. 30 were demos. Word. And there were actually two unreleased studio tracks came out. Ooh, Both of them were like different, different variations on a, on a different uh, recording. You know, like one of them was an alternate take. One of them was a song that had already been recorded. But still, still, this is significant. Yeah. Sure. For those uh, vinyl completists out there, on vinyl there were 16 items released on vinyl. <laughs> yeah. If you bought them all at the suggested retail price, which you, you did, spent four hundred and thirty dollars and sixty nine cents on just the vinyl releases alone. Just vinyl, and you wouldn't have managed to get all of the previously unreleased recordings either. Boo. Because some of them were not released on vinyl. <laughs> Uh, if you're the CD completist out there, which I sort of am, but yeah, uh, not get all the stuff, you would have purchased seven items, mm. and it would have set you back a hundred and ninety-six dollars and eighty-nine cents only. Hey, that's sort Bowie, of that's sorry, of... fat sacks, <laughs> fat sacks, fat sacks, Bowie fat sacks. If 
you only bought the unreleased items in the cheapest possible physical formats, yeah, which is what I did, cassette tapes, uh, it would have put me back one hundred and twenty-three dollars and ninety-six cents. That's what you did. Now, is that all right? I know then, you're of course, gonna... when you get when you get a, that suggested retail price, I didn't spend. Actually, I didn't buy one of the. There's one vinyl release that had one song in it. I didn't buy that. Okay, I'm gonna wait till it comes out on something else, some later on. Because so it's fifteen dollars for a picture disc. And they I didn't. didn't oh, the picture disc. The what, picture disc. What a yeah, sham! They stick a lot of, what a sham! A lot of unreleased uh, tracks on those. Or unreleased, yeah, hey, mostly live tracks. But unreleased tracks on those on those uh, picture discs. Hey, picture discs. Stop! Stop yeah. doing that. Stop doing the yeah. picture disc thing. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. More. Okay. We will. And finally, if you bought everything, everything officially released, uh-huh. you would have spent six hundred and sixty dollars and eighty two cents. Just short of the old 666. Just sort of the old devil's number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good thing. Bowie Fat Stats 2019. <laughs> this has been another edition of Bowie Fat Stats. Bowie Fat Stats. All right, so All right. moving on, transitioning out of Bowie Fat Stats into our next segment, which I've called Anniversary Explosion. <laughs> so, I like that we're naming everything something now. Yeah. Oh, this is great. If you want to release music, David Bowie music, in the years since he died, yeah, you're only. I think I think it's probably a law. I think it must have been some kind of law set that you're only allowed to do it if it ties into a round number anniversary. Yeah, I think that's right. Otherwise, you don't get to do it. You're not allowed no. legally. I'm pretty sure. No, you go, to, on, you go to jail if you do it. You go to jail, man. If you're like this is the 31st this is like, anniversary. No, this is, no. This is Bowie jail. You go to where, jail. I don't know. Things are even worse than now. I don't know. I don't know. Bowie Jail sounds you have to, okay. Bowie Jail, you have to listen to Never Let Me Down remixes all day long. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> all of them are eight minute long versions, you've, dance versions you've of been, the already <laughs> horrible tracks. I feel like I feel like you live in Bowie Jail. <laughs> Interspersed, it's a mashup between uh, Never Let Me Down remixes mashed up with Tin Machine tracks. Mm. That's all it is. So much rock and guitar and crappy dance it's music. Mm. 1987 through 1991, all of the time. Wow, all of the time. Hey. Hey, so we're going to run a little rundown. We're going to do a little, like, uh, reverse anniversary, starting at the most recent. Ooh, ooh, can we call Moving it? Moving our way back. Can we call it a reverse anniversary? A reversary? <laughs> a reversary. A reversary. A reversary. A reversary explosion. Reversary revulsion. I want this to be like a a car ad or something, you know, like a used car ad. Reverse reverse explosion! Explosion, 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 explosion. I can't believe you in this is 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. We got to have it. I don't want to work there. Although, if it was like a a used car dealership, it would be like, this is the 39.99 anniversary of David Bowie. Bowie, Bowie, Bowie. So let's start at the most recent. The most recent anniversary release we got. The reversary begins. Was Jake? You're gonna love this. It's the tenth anniversary of the of VH1 Storytellers, <laughs> which was itself released on the tenth anniversary of the show <laughs> recording. So we're taking things right off with the tenth anniversary of the tenth anniversary. I love it. I knew you'd like that one, Jake. I'm so, so happy. So, Storytellers was this really... So, we're actually doing the 10th this, anniversary man. and the 20th anniversary right in one ticket. Right I can't go. believe this. Okay. Uh, 20 years ago, well, now 21, Beach One Storytellers, the show where people tell stories while playing songs <laughs> on, and stuff. On VH1. <laughs> on VH1. They got Bowie to go on the show. He did it. He, uh... 
Let's see. He it did. wasn't very good. No. He told a lot of stories. No. He played a lot of songs off of his really terrible most recent album at that point. Uh, ours. And good. then... Good for him. That was it. And then they released it uh, ten years later on CD. Yep. But cut out four of the tracks okay. from the release for some reason. And also it was done DVD. Uh, they had the four versions. So then they released it on vinyl for the first time in 2019. Wow. They did that with no... They did it. And they put the four tracks back on. Okay. Hey. But those tracks had been released digitally already. They weren't unreleased tracks. So there it had. There it was. They just released it. They just released it on vinyl. Yep. Okay. Hey. It's a big deal, Jake. It's a big deal. Uh, Such a big can I can I talk about Bob Dylan now, or do you have more? Hey, whoa, whoa! Back <laughs> do you have more? Here. That sounds like a lot. This is the only anniversary we celebrated. Heck no! Heck no! Welcome to Reversary Revulsion with Reversary Revulsion. <laughs> explosion! 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 So that was the ten year and the twenty year anniversary. Let's get into the. Uh, let's really start talking here. Let's start talking about the thirty year anniversary, Jake. Hey, that's even the better. Thirty anniversary of arguably Bowie's. Not greatest album. Wait, yeah. unarguably. Yes, Jake. Can I'm we call it the tenth of the tenth of the tenth? The tenth anniversary of the tenth anniversary of the tenth anniversary. Does that work? Um, yeah. Okay. But can, <sighs> yep. we, can, I, can it be the last time we do that joke though in this anniversary segment? No. Nope. Get really long by the end. Not at all. <laughs> but can, please continue. <laughs> anyway, the thirtieth anniversary of the much beloved, but by much beloved I mean much hated. <laughs> original Tin Machine album, uh, which is called Tin Machine. And you'll have a heavy note, Jake, feature the song Tin Machine. <laughs> written by Tin Machine. Produced Tin Machine, by, by Tin, Tin Machine. Machine. Engineered by Tin Machine. Engineered by Tin Machine. All royalties so going they, to Tin Machine. There were two Tin Machine 30th anniversary related releases. Both of them were digital only, actually, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. So, there was a release of the Tin Machine nine-song video. They, like... Instead of just doing a normal video, they took nine different songs and made yeah. it videos for all of them and put a medley together, and what? it's like ten minutes long. And I don't know. I watched it. It was just on YouTube. You didn't have to buy it, but it was available That's for good. purchase on iTunes. I just watched it on YouTube one time. Yeah, no, it was all right. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> they also released half of a live show from 1989. Whoa! Oh, baby. <laughs> Whoa! Half a one! That's significantly better than a quarter of one. It was true. Why only half? Why? It's digital. Yeah. Who cares? Just release Here's the whole my, thing. my person. Well, in the, in, the notes, in the notes, the press release, they kind of made it sound like Bowie maybe only approved for half of it to be released and didn't approve the other half. Okay. He definitely had a list of songs he approved and didn't approve. Did he get I, back Did he get back on the coke when he made that decision and we just didn't know well, about it? Or? No. Remember, Crack City is on Tim Machine. Oh, yeah, that's right. He warns against drug use. He warns I against did. drug use. Oh, you're so right, Chaz. I, you know what? I apologize to the Bowie estate. Thank you. And Thank you. To the purveyors of Crack, Crack City, City, if you recall, has the worst line that he ever wrote. I do recall. I don't recall <laughs> what it is, but I guess you could say it again. I'm if trying you to want. remember exactly what it is. <laughs> They're just a bunch of a holes with buttholes for a brain. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it's something to that effect. It That's was, it. it was That's Here's, it. Okay. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna like broaden this up here, broader picture, Jake. I'm okay. Stretch out the story here. Uh, let's okay. Get, let's so get as you know, Jake, and, this is notable. A little spoiler. Alert. Uh, in the last four years in a row, Bowie released a big, fat box set that covered like re-release of studio albums and live albums that have been called the Era Box Sets. Yeah. Four years in a row. They did not do that in 2019. Wow. And everyone was expecting it. I was expecting it. That's, like, right around. that's like one of the... 
it would have been getting up to the Tim Machine era. We would have been looking at like 89 to 92 or so. I was, uh, that's the only, that's the only release strategy that Bowie currently does that I'm jealous of as a Bob Dylan fan. I want the five-year well, box strategy. Yeah, yeah, I know that's good. I mean, I like, I like, yeah, okay. I could just, I like, the, it, Dylan, just, I like the Dylan bootleg series. No, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't replace them. What I'm saying is like, give me, cause, uh, Dylan has not done a good job of remastering and putting out uh, the yeah, most of yeah, his yeah. albums. Now he did do the yeah. mono box set in 2013, I want to say, and that was his first eight albums remastered in one box, yeah. which was amazing, and I bought it. Yeah. But, like, just keep going. Just keep doing keep that. Keep going. Just keep going, yeah. You know, what does it hurt? Come on, guys. Yeah. So anyway, it, we would have been due for a Tin Machine box set, but everyone, no one was really sure if they were going to do a Tin Machine or they would skip ahead to after the Tin Machine period or what. Nobody yeah, knew what's, what's going what's on. Going on. We were all, like, curious, just waiting with bated breath, you know. All of you. Message boards are exploding. One or uh, two even I Even I managed to stumble my way on there a little bit and listen and read a little bit. Uh, so no one knows for sure what happened. There's been no official recognition of why this wasn't released in 2019. Yeah. Oh, you got nothing? The leading theory, though, mm. is it seems like there may have been some rights issues. Because uh, mm-hmm. Tim Machine, it being four separate members, there's differences between the first album was done on Bowie's own like existing record contracts. Um, okay. So he has rights to that, but his estate has the rights to the first one. But the second studio album and the live album and most of the B-sides and stuff were all, all, all owned equally four ways by the four members of Tim Correct. Machine. I remember you talking uh, about this. The The second studio album and the, their live album have been out of print for decades. Like, they're the only Bowie albums in the oh, have. And really? supposedly it's, it's partially because uh, they didn't want to give any money to one of the members who has been <laughs> on super drugs for... Oh, I getcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So anyway... Um, it Crack sounds like there was something indeed. related to Hunt Sales, the drummer. His may have may have been holding this up. No one knows for sure, but it sounds like my the best I've gleaned from this is that he is holding out because he wants like a full quarter rights on the first Tin Machine album, oh. which you can kind of see why he would want that. Like why that would well, be he fair. he's he's a quarter of the band. He's a quarter of the band, so he's trying to. It seems like he's trying to hold out, uh, hold back the rights from the other ones, like refusing to give his permission for the other ones with, uh, until he gets the rights to the first one. It's the impression I've got. I can't confirm they, that. Oh, I mean, how, much, rumors, how much money but, is this thing going to make? Like, just, just give them the rights to a quarter of the first I one. <laughs> I, don't on. I don't know. Come on, guys. I know. Is Tin Machine really Bowie's, like, is that what you're really going to hold on to? No, this is not the, this is not the Spiders from Mars, guys. This you're has got to be one of his least profitable albums. <laughs> it no. has to be. And the least, be. the least interested anyone's going to be uh, right. in a reissue. Just, right. you know. So my lead, my theory is, I think they were kind of battling like this, trying to figure out the rights issues of this all year, and still hoping it was going to come out in 2019. Mm. And then when it didn't, they just snuck out this uh, half of a live show from 1989 mm. because it was it was not announced ahead of time. It was digital only. It was like August 30th rolled around. They're like, hey, you guys, here's half of a Tim Machine live album. Boom. <laughs> three, of the tracks, three of the tracks were released as B-sides decades ago. Five hey, tracks, woo! Try not to kill uh, yourself with excitement over this, guys. <laughs> and so I think that was like them throwing us a bone a little bit. Because we were all waiting for this announcement. It was, like right, it was right when the announcement should have been coming out. Like a couple, few weeks after the announcement was expected for this box set. for you Because know, they come out at the same time of year. In the, history so, of, in the history of Bones, that seems like a very small one. Yeah, it's small, but well, it's quite a small one. It's a little bone. The, the the half of live show is maybe the other half's bad. I don't know. The the first half though is like listenable. It's good. It's like solidly pretty good. 
We'll talk more about that when we get to You're points. just... One of, this is one of the few, the one of few of his few releases that gains to get any points at all because it's actually some new material. I am, we'll dis- I am disappointed already in you. <laughs> Tin Machine was a much better live uh, live band. Than all right. Uh, that, that I, I, I know all about that. I know all about that. All right. Hey, we've done the 10, we've done the 20, we've done the 30. Yeah. You know what time for, Jake? The second. The 40. The second. The, the third. third. Oh, the, the 40th? The 40th year anniversary of... The album Lodger, which is a really good album. Oh, that's the 40th anniversary already? it's a couple singles. Because, Jake, there is this... I know how much you love picture discs of singles. Oh, they're even better than full albums. Yes. And Bowie has got a now quite long-running 40th anniversary picture disc reissue campaign. Okay, sure, sure. And we can't get too mad at his estate for this because this thing was definitely going before he died. It's been going for several years. Yeah, it's going years before he died. I'm still mad, but I don't have any reason Well, me too, whatever. So what happens (laughs) is they release the singles 40 40 years after they came out and uh, stick something new on the B-side, usually, on a picture disc. Uh Uh-huh. Which famously don't have, like, great sound quality. Oh, okay. Uh... But they've been, in recent years, more and more putting unreleased tracks on there rather than just, like, to start out, they're just kind of rare tracks. Now it's been, like, unreleased tracks. Um, but usually it's, like, unreleased live versions, what this, which is what this was. But Boys Keep Swinging came out with just a rare track, whatever. DJ came out with, like, with a couple new uh, uh, live tracks. Okay. But, really, there's so many live tracks that have come out from 1978, which is when it was recorded, uh, that... You know, we're all kind of satiated on that. Come on, thing. guys. We've had it. But, Jake, the real excitement for yeah. the 40th anniversary I'm excited was already. an unnecessary <laughs> block, like albums worth of remixes of the song <laughs> DJ. Hey, wow. Whoa, Thick, wow. Whoa, tracks, whoa, whoa, whoa. All whoa. of them super extended remixes. <laughs> I can't tell you the quality because I didn't listen to any of them, nor do I want. You didn't listen to one of them just to no. check it? No. Nope. Just to no. check that DJ? No. Eh, I'm proud of you. Thanks. I'm proud of you for not even hey, caring about that. we did the 10-year. We did the 20-year. We did the 30. <laughs> we did the 40. What's next? That's right, the 45. Uh, ah, you got me. Jake, there is a 45-year anniversary campaign uh, going from Bowie as well. Why? It's a, it's a vinyl-only reissue of whatever album came out 45 years ago. Which was? On colored vinyl. Mmm, colored vinyl! Mm, no. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> right? Uh, this one actually also encapsulated the 46th anniversary because pinups didn't make it last year. <laughs> and Aladdin Sane, he did two from 73. Aladdin Sane got its reissue, but pinups didn't, so that came out on a picture disc at Record Store Day. But Diamond Dogs came out on red vinyl. Ugh. Also, they reissued the original UK single digitally only. Great. Fantastic. No. Hey, I am. Let's get the one that I'm actually shocked. matters. I'm we did the ten, the twenty, the thirty, the forty, the forty-five. Uh huh. Let's do the fifty, Jake. Can we do the forty-seven? I miss for the fifty. I'm missing the forty-seven. Woo! <laughs> well, you get the forty-seven-year campaign going from Bowie. It's about time. <laughs> I think they. I think if I walked into the room with the execs and with the Bowie estate, and I was like, "Guys, we're going to need a forty-seventh-year campaign." They're like, "Yeah, sign <laughs> them up. Sign it. Sign it. Sign it. Put it out." <laughs> Put it up, they guys. just like shove a pile of cash in your hand and push your way back out the door. I'm like, woohoo! Great idea, done. We didn't even think of that. Uh, so this is what you were getting into about how so many unnecessary vital stuff that's coming out. Ooh. Here's the thing, Bowie. Like, they actually did interesting in the end. We'll get to there. 
But actually, a lot of really, almost all of those unreleased tracks, almost all of them, are from '68 and '69. Right. It was and a like, 50th and the anniversary all from then, and it's of, there's some exciting stuff that came out. Yeah, this yeah. Year. Some of the most exciting tracks that came out in years. Yeah. Uh, but it started in the stupidest way possible: a series of seven-inch vinyl box sets. Right. So it started out with a release called "Spying Through a Keyhole." It's nine, all nine, completely unreleased. Most of them even not unknown. I don't think any of them even leaked. Maybe a couple Whoa, of leaks, but I didn't. That's exciting. Um, demos from 68. Nine, 60, like 35 minutes worth of music. Like, this on is exciting nine, stuff. On nine vinyls? Now, you could release this uh, digitally or on a single LP or a single CD. All a of which single LP? Set. A single... Easily. Or, Jake, Easily. You could, you could do what they did and release it... Uh, as four seven inches in a box set that costs thirty five dollars for nine demos. I like I like their strategy. It seems it seems fair. It seems like uh-huh. a fair strategy. And we think, what would Bob Dylan do? Well, he would release <laughs> they would release everything from sixty eight and sixty nine and seventy all in like one giant well mini set, and it'd be amazing. I do I do you know. I love Bob Dylan's release strategy, but we have we, we have another 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 self portrait coming up in my segment. <laughs> well, that's so let's, you do that, yeah. But okay, so that's what we did there before Spying Through Keel even came out, and this one, by the way, was when I canceled my pre-order. Okay. Well, they announced a second one of Clareville, the Clareville Grove demos. Mm-hmm. Three more seven-inch vinyls mm-hmm. in a box set that cost thirty-one ninety-eight. It's just so. <laughs> I ended up getting spiked through Keel actually because I did you? somebody gave me a, well somebody gave me a gift card oh. I didn't have anything else I wanted to buy <clears throat> and I was curious if I could actually make some money off of Amazon affiliates by posting stuff on Bowie vs. Dylan but it didn't work at all oh so, yeah that's right I remember that I was like man if they, you know if fans could pay for it for me then I'll buy it but, I remember not yeah. getting any money from Bowie vs. Dylan again <laughs> I remember yeah, that part it's because we don't put ads on because we care about the fans. We give, you know, unlike the Bowie estate, we care about the fans. <laughs> so, when you've released seven seven-inch vinyls at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. for like six or sixty-seven dollars, what's the next follow-up? To finally release a single LP with ten tracks on it. Oh, the Mercury demos all recorded at the same time. Oh, it's a one single session. It was actually the session that Bowie like Bowie busted out these demos. With his pal Hutch. Hey, good old Hutch. And uh, sent him into Mercury Records. Mercury Records requested. And that was what like sealed the deal and got him his record label that got Space Oddity released in the second album. Smooth. And it was released as a single LP, which makes a lot of sense. Did you buy that? Except that it cost $70. Why? Because <laughs> it was released in a stupid box set with, I don't know. And I, looking at this thing, I can't imagine 70 how, bucks? I can't figure out how they even thought that this was ever okay. But yes, the suggested retail price is sixty nine ninety eight. That's preposterous. I'm sorry. I know it's sorry. preposterous. I'm sorry for for you guys. And how you finish, how you follow that up, Jake? Yeah. Buy another box set with two assemblies. <laughs> so for twenty nine ninety eight. I'd love to know. Ad, it was a it was a replica of the original Space Oddity single with its original B set and everything. Yeah, like, perfect. And then. Uh, new mixes of both songs by Tony Visconti. Right, thanks Tony. Thanks TV. For twenty nine ninety eight. I would I would like to know honestly, like if they made any money on these releases. I don't know. Do you think they did? Because that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> it was a preposterous, absurd parade. Of- it really is. Every time I I feel like you and I, 
outside of the podcast, anytime we talked, it would be like we'd be sending each other links to more well, boring I would, releases. I would, I would just send you all the press releases. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> there was, it's just, it was like I laughed out loud in, you know, every single time, in, in greater mm-hmm. measure, every time I got one. So if you bought all four of those, Jake, at yeah. suggested retail price, you would have spent a sweet $166.92. Only. Only. That's worth it. All right. But Jake, it's it's uh, I've got a tale for you. It's a redemption tale. Oh, the reversary redemption. The reversary redemption. Reversary redemption. <laughs> yes. Because at the very end of the year, yeah, I like this. In late November, no, mid November, it's right before my birthday. Uh, they piled all this stuff together into a big fat mm-hmm. five CD box set yep. by the name Conversation Piece. Oh, and you conversed about it. I conversed about it. I did. I did an unboxing of it and everything. Yep. Love it. Classy unboxing video, if I might say. It was a big, fat, like, super hardcover, super high quality book. Yes. It is a little price for five CDs. It's a little pricey. Suggested real to a price is $99.98 on that. Yeah. I managed mm-hmm. to score it for about $70. Okay, that's which was it's fair. Well. This feels like comparable to the, uh, the Dylan, uh, uh, bootleg series. Although, yeah. Bowie, it being Bowie, we couldn't do everything right when you could never do everything right. Oh, what'd you do wrong? Uh, well, here. It's got nearly everything from the box sets, plus yep. it had nine more completely unreleased oh, recordings. Bonus material! 13 unreleased mixes. Okay. Had 53 other tracks, many of which are, are pretty rare. Okay. And uh, so 22 of which of those, uh, yeah, 53 other tracks, 22 of those 53 other tracks were, were unreleased before 2019. We had a total on this thing of 31 unreleased record, like recordings on this that were not released before 2019. Okay. So, like, the ones that came out first in those stupid final boxes. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, the fifth... So the first two discs are all demos, which are awesome. The Great. third disc is Gotta that collection of all these, like, rare studio, like, the different single versions and B-sides and uh, BBC sessions. All of them have been released except for one, but they're, they're hard to find. I didn't have all of them. Um, the fourth is his second album, now commonly called Space Abbey, originally self-titled, with a yep. couple bonus tracks. The fifth disc is a new mix by Tony Visconti of the same album. So this is what we're talking about. We still have to have the same album on there twice. Because well, of course we do. Well, obviously. We couldn't just like say, yeah. well, you know what? Everybody's just got, everyone's got the original album and the original <laughs> mix. Why don't we just not do that and just have the Tony Visconti mix? I actually like the Tony Visconti mix. I actually like it better than you. You like album. it better. You can tell the difference. And, I am, I am. Sure. Yeah, I do. All right. I would have been fine with them getting them. The other thing I really loved is if they had done a uh, uh, a DVD. Bowie what? like recorded a TV special in, uh-huh. 19, in early 1969 that wasn't released until 83 or 84. Um, and like, not that it's amazing, but it's really interesting. And whether they obviously like making this thing as like as complete as possible. Like this feels very comprehensive. Like there's. There's virtually nothing left over that didn't make it from the from 1968 and 1969 that didn't make it on this box set. Okay. So it feels like if you got this thing, you've got everything Bowie officially released Great. in those. Love it. And you can just like be done. That does sound but like the bootleg series. He recorded this this TV special and they didn't, you know, they didn't, couldn't throw a DVD on that, you know? You Come know what I'm saying? Guys. I mean, just throw it in there. Hey, why don't you have well, a it's, comp- and it's And it's never been released on DVD in the U.S. It's got a U.K. release in the DVD, but never in the U.S. So like... Come on, man, you know? Why didn't they get... going to, like, spend 50 bucks for a Region 2 DVD that my player can't even play? Come why, on! Why didn't they have a conversation about this piece and just come up with some more... with this DVD thing? 
Why don't they? Why don't they converse with you about this piece? Good one. Good. Thanks, Betty. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, I want you to know that the Space Oddity of the Song was released in twelve different versions in 2019. <sighs> Can you detail every single version of that for us for the next I hope thirty you got, minutes? I hope you got forty-five minutes. I'm about to start right now. <laughs> Ready, go. Hey. I've got hey. a multiple choice question for you, Dick. We're done with the anniversaries. Oh, the reversary is over. The reversary. Uh, but I have a multiple choice question to finish things out here. And great. Kick it uh, I can't wait. Ready? This is great. I'm so on Bowie it. released tons of music. I mean, we all know about that. But he also, uh, the estate also approved a variety of ridiculous Bowie-related items. Okay. In 2019. I'm going to give you five examples here, Jake. Which one of the following was not an official Bowie product approved <laughs> by whoever in uh, 2019? Ready? Uh, yep, I'm ready. Number one, a David Bowie augmented reality app. <laughs> I already like this one. Number two, a baby Bowie board book. Baby Bowie board book. The alliteration alone is fantastic. Go ahead. Number three, a Bowie Bach beer. A Bowie Bach beer. A Bach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number four, Bowie Vans shoes. Oh, I know that one exists, but go ahead. And finally, a Bowie Barbie. <laughs> I know that exists as well. Okay, so I've got unlike unlike when you're actually trying to trick me. I've no, got, I knew I knew you'd know two of them. I know two of these. So I've got Vans. I've got I've got the Bowie the Bear, the yeah, Bower Bee the Bo the Bower Yeah, I know it. <laughs> the Bower like but it feels like it should work, but it doesn't. Yeah, Bower Bee kind of works. <laughs> okay, there's a there's a Bowie Bach. There's a baby Bowie board book for babies, and there's a uh, what was the first one you said? An augmented reality app. All right, I've, an augmented reality app. Mm-hmm. I. Th- think the Bowie Bach beer did not come out. You're correct. Yeah! <laughs> not that I wouldn't drink the hell out of a Bowie beer, but... A Bachy? A Bach. They didn't make it. They didn't make it. No. Oh, hey. reality app happens. It's good. David is. It was a representation of the re- recent museum. Oh, yeah. That uh, traveling museum that never came anywhere near my town. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Too so that bad. was really cool. Too I bought bad. that. Board book, the baby boy board book. I don't have that. I really should. I, I don't have any babies anymore. I just have small kids, but still. And the vans and the Burby. All that happened. Didn't buy any of it. Too <sighs> <laughs> busy buying lots and lots of vinyl boxes. I was going to say, you, you, you already spent $7,000. <laughs> I took out a second mortgage just to buy all those vinyl things. And now I can't buy a board book. Now I. I'm too broke. The shoes I have are Bowie Vans, which are not good for work. So <laughs> I'm too broke. I thought a couple. Of, I thought a couple of the pairs of Vans were kind of cool. If they hadn't been like seventy dollars each, I might have. I might have bought a pair. I think that you have Stockholm syndrome, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> you should not think those are cool. What? I said a couple of them, not all of them. Jim. Hey, no, not all. Not all of them. Only like seven. <laughs> there were four or five stones. <laughs> I remember Styles. one of them going like, "That's kind of cool. I would wear that." Yeah, I get that. Hey, honey. Oh, hey, honey. Uh, do we have any? Do we have any money? No. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay, because I I need to get some more box sets. <laughs> you mean um, we have to sell our house? Okay. It's fine. Okay. Well, can we get some? I'm gonna get some Bowie shoes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'll be back. We, I'll okay. sell the car on the way, and I'll walk home in my Bowie shoes. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> 
Put it on the. Put it on the. Put it, yeah. I told you talking about Dylan. You haven't done it yet. Which is strange. It's hey, whatever. Crazy. I was having you're fun. Choosing, you're choosing to continue talking about Bowie. And I stuff, was having fun. I, like. I was I like. having fun thinking about you being so broke. <laughs> I was just imagining you selling all your possessions to buy Bowie paraphernalia in 2019, <laughs> and I well, got. Hey, and, th- and 2019 did not feature the release of a five thousand dollar coffee book, which 2018 did. So, well, I mean, that's just silly. That's just silly. <laughs> And it didn't even have the five years box set in it. You could have sprung for that as well. But you didn't have to. I didn't have to. You, didn't have, you only had to sell like half your possessions, which is great for you. I sold some of my kids' stuff, you know. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I thought you were going to stop it. All, all I, I own is Bowie related <laughs> at this point anyway, so it's not like I can get rid of some of that stuff. You know, your kids are just decked to, head to toe in Bowie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, have fun at school. Son, my middle son owns two Bowie shirts, both of which he wears extremely proudly. Yeah, hey, uh, that makes that makes me that makes me happy for you. I guess you used to have four kids, and now you only have three. And I don't want you. <laughs> well, to, I don't want you to have to pay for Bowie's twenty nineteen. Pay for the five thousand dollar coffee. Dylan already. All right, I will. I will. Hey, you know what? I can't believe I have to. I'm sorry. I, I like I said, I got carried away. Okay, and I have two pages just scribbled of notes that I can't read. So let's <laughs> let's get started. Let's get uh, started. 2019 yeah. was kind of ki- kind of a big year for the legacy of Bob Dylan. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. it, it was not larded with you know a thousand releases <laughs> of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, hell, even 70 year anniversaries of Bowie's <laughs> things. Uh, but quite a, quite a lot of stuff happens. So let's start in. Let's start. I will say too, Jake, that okay. uh, usually they release. They announce like one of the releases on his birthday, which is in four days from now, January eighth. So I can't imagine what kind of nonsense. I mean, twenty twenty. It's too. It's it's big to start. Is unfortunate. They've all, they've they've announced only one uh, picture disc already. Fortieth anniversary picture disc has not announced for twenty twenty. But that's all we got so far, Jake. I can't wait for what kind of. Uh, Ridiculous nonsense we're going to get up to in this year. I can't wait. I can't wait for all those wait. texts with all those press releases. Can't wait for 2020's <laughs> fat stats. <laughs> Everyone's looking forward to that already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's start. Let's start with the never-ending tour just to get that hey, out of the way. And uh, it did not. Um, okay. But check it out. No, uh, he played 77 shows this year. This last year. Ooh, that's slow. That's low. I, I, I will I will remind the world that Bob Dylan is seventy eight years old, <laughs> <laughs> and he did seventy seven shows, uh, thirty eight in Europe, thirty nine in North America. Uh, April nineteenth was the three thousandth. I can't say the word three thousandth. Can you say that for me? Three three thousandth three thousandth uh, show of the Never Ending Tour. Hey, can I mention? Have you ever heard of the thousand. of the band uh, the Sixth? No, I've not. I'm, I'm quite convinced that their name is 100% just to make people make it difficult to say. Definitely. It's like it's like Boney Bear it's with it. his underscores and ampersands and things. Uh-huh. We can't say that. Hey, guys. Hey, the sixths. How's it going? <laughs> the sixths. Well, I can't say three. I'm, th- I'm called wasps' nests. I can't say <laughs> three thousandth. Three wasps' nests. Three, three thousandth. It, I mean, you should be impressed, though, Chaz. 3,000 shows Three since 1988. Shows. That's insane. <laughs> 30, 31 years, 3,000 shows. That's just under 100 a year if you're going to average that. <laughs> An out. averaging. Averaged 100 a year. Um, and what Chad, is that? Because this is the, the middle of the year he hit this triumph, right? Yeah, April 19th. I think he had just started it, actually. Man. Yeah. Man. 
Um, on April 16th, just three days before the 3,000th 3, 3, show. <laughs> the 6th. The 6th. April 16th. Th- 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 uh, he was in Vienna, um, Austria, and he spoke to the audience. I just want somebody to listen to me, Chaz. I, I was shocked by this. He <laughs> spoke to the audience at one of his concerts for the first time. Did you say t- something nice about them? Would you shut up and let me do the oh, thing? Oh, he's sorry. Uh, he spoke to his audience for the first time in three years. <laughs> Bob Dylan does not talk to his audience, except for this one time in more than three years. He just goes up and he starts playing, and then when he's done playing, he leaves. He doesn't address the audience. Man. Are you into that? I feel like that's kind Bob of like Dylan, unbelievable. magnificent bastard. <laughs> he does what he wants, and that <laughs> apparently is nothing. He doesn't talk. And that's <laughs> what he wants to do. So I have a multiple choice question for you, Chaz. Hey, go. Um, he stopped uh, the song Blowing in the Wind, which he's played approximately 8 billion times in the last 31 years, mm-hmm. to, say, to say what? What did he say to the audience for the first time in three years? Uh, number one, uh, hey guys, I just noticed you were there. How's it hanging? <laughs> Not that one. All right. Two, where's the sausage at, Vienna? <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Okay, three, um, three, I know I don't say much, but I just, I just can't hold it in anymore. I love you, fans. You're the reason any of this is possible at all. I am deeply grateful for each and every one of you for buying my albums and coming to my concerts year after year. Did he say that to them? Well, probably, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> He's talking for the first time. All right. Uh, or four. Um, that something Bob would say. Or four. He did he, did he address a paying member of his audience and say the following? Take pictures or don't take pictures. We can either play or we can pose. Okay. That one. Yeah, Gotta that, be that one. That's what he said. What a jerk. What? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> There's no way he, like, started talking for the first time in three years and said something nice to everybody. <laughs> I know. What a jerk. Okay. Uh, way to go. Well, I, you know, he's 78. Whatever. Yeah. What? And this excuses his behavior his entire life? Absolutely. Was he 78 his entire life? Because yep. he's been a jerk his whole life, Jake. That's how it works. Hey, cut him some slack. He's old. <laughs> he's always been old. <laughs> All right. Um... On June, I think it was June 21st, if I'm not mistaken, um, two things happened simultaneously. One, Netflix dropped a Martin Scorsese documentary about the Rolling Thunder review. Two. No, hold it. You hold your your tongue. Right, whoa, hey. Hold your tongue, sir. I got a lot to say. Whoa, back off, Jake, whoa. I got a lot to say about that thing that you're not talking about. All right, hold on, yeah, hey, whoa. All right, hey, let's just, little suspense here. Little suspense. Okay, I have five takeaways from this um, uh, documentary, which was a mix between contemporary interviews and footage shot over the over the course of the 1975 Rolling Thunder Review Tour, which I've talked about ad nauseum, so we don't need to do that again. <laughs> Including in the last episode. When we uh, exactly, exactly, um, which it probably doesn't bear a lot of repeating. But during, during that, um, Bob Dylan was attempting to make a film called Ronaldo and Clara, which we talked about oh, yeah. qu- quite a long time ago. Um, one of the worst movies ever made, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But cool. the footage, you know, is just in a big pile somewhere. And so Scorsese was uh, approached by Dylan's manager to put together a documentary, and he got to use that footage, and he got to clean it up and everything. So, um, ostensibly, this is a documentary about this tour. Here's my five takeaways, Chess, from that, in order of importance. 
Number five. Okay. Okay, you ready? Number five. Wait, starting at the most important and no. starting at the least important. Uh, descending importance. No, ascending importance. So ascending importance. So okay. we're going starting least. least important. Going with the okay, least. Okay, got it. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen Ginsberg, the great American poet who was along for the entire ride um, for the Rolling Thunder Review. Yeah. And the actor David Cross are the exact same person. <laughs> they look uh, exactly the same. They do look a lot alike. Yes, they do. Uh, in fact, David Cross played Allen Ginsberg in the 2007 film I'm Not There about Bob Dylan. Yeah. But yeah. like every time he came on and spoke and did everything, I was like, <laughs> wow, he, that, Allen Ginsberg starred in Arrested Development. You were just picturing Tobias from Arrested Development. Exactly. The never nude all the way. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, number four. Uh, hey, Bob Dylan and Joan Baez, just get a room already. <laughs> just get one. Do us all a favor. That's right. This was when they, their romance kind of was rekindled, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was actually consummated, but there was a lot going on there. Every time they're on the screen <laughs> together, it's just like they, they, they sing. Uh, they sing a lot of duets in the on, mm. on the concert, and their faces, Chaz. If if it's a if it's a if it's an inch. I'd be shocked. They're just like staring. <laughs> They're like staring right into each other's eyeballs and like singing these songs uh, together in perfect harmony. Um, and then also, of course, she played a part in Ronaldo and Clara. Um, Dylan and uh, Baez were former lovers in this movie, mm-hmm. in the movie, and uh, Ronnie Blakely. And real life. And in real life. Uh, a lot of meta stuff going on here. And Ronnie Blakely was the new girlfriend of Bob. And so they have these intense scenes together. Uh, which basically described their life uh, together. And then Joan Baez left the tour after like two-thirds of it for reasons nobody knows, but come on. Just get a room. Just get it over <laughs> with. I would assume the reason was sexual tension. I, it's just hot, white hot sexual tension. <laughs> and hurt feelings. <laughs> and a lifetime of regret. <laughs> oh, Bob. All right. Oh, Bob and Joan. Not too late to make it right, man. Uh, he didn't. He didn't do it. He didn't make it right. Um, number three, Dylan be killing. <laughs> this is probably <laughs> this probably is Bob Dylan's best period of live performances uh, as a as a as an entertainer as like a as a performer. He's very focused. He's motivated. He's intense. He's intentional. He's performative. Uh, he's very generous and mesmerizing and collaborative. Um, he actually had. Uh, he actually put together a band, which they named themselves Guam, which, don't say it, there's a member of Guam, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's, got, he's got crazy eyes, Jazz. He's got, like, I mean, just, you could probably go see a clip online. There, I think there's one of the songs, maybe One More Cup of Coffee or something. The way that he's, like, the way that he's carrying himself while he's singing is, is sort of like he's possessed or something. But he's possessed of like being good at his job for once. <laughs> hey, for he's, once. he's awesome. It's probably. I mean, of course, I, I prefer the 1966 performances with the bands, but those were so combative and had such a different kind of vibe and energy. Uh, the 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 Rolling Thunder review performances were very like he was very giving towards the audience. There was a there was a give and take rather than them screaming Judas at him and him being like I don't. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, being like, I don't care. Don't care. the camera. I don't care. We can play music or poets. We can't do both. Uh, so uh, my Wait, wife Brooke and I forced her to watch this with me, and uh, oh, yeah. we, we were both we were both kind of mesmerized. Like yeah. he's he's Yay. he's kind of a he's kind of a crazy person in a good way. Um, number two, uh, it turns out 
that the Rolling Thunder Review documentary is not a documentary at all. It's a pseudo-documentary. Have you ever heard of a mm. pseudo-documentary? I had not. Um, so Scorsese and Bob presented this as a straight documentary. It came out, it just said a documentary about Bob Dylan. But it slowly dawned on everyone that some of the parts were fictionalized. They were fabricated, but no differentiated, no differentiation was made on the part of the film. So uh, some of these contemporary interviews would feature somebody talking about something, and then they would go back and do like archival footage of, of the thing that they were talking about. Uh-huh. But many of them were, were wholly fabricated. They were totally made up, interspersed with things that were totally true. Whoa. Bob. Bob. So I mean, it was, pur- it was purposeful on Martin Scorsese's part too, and Bob's because Bob. And Bob. Well, in- I'm not surprised that Bob was lying to everybody, but you know. Yeah, but he didn't just give. Because interview- Bowie did some of this in his documentaries. Okay, like, did he? Where there's some like some stuff that's kind of made up, like in there, and you can't tell how much is there consciously lying about it, and how much is his like you know own projections of his own self and everything. But it wasn't quite that. These were complete. Like this was like a. They, they they brought people in to do interviews contemporaneously that referred to things that were fake from 1975. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have a very special. I mean, the the takeaway, of course, is that Bob will never stop screwing with us. That's it. No, obviously. And he got his good pal Martin Scorsese to come along for the ride and <laughs> screw with us as well. Uh-huh. Hey, whoa, whoa. All right. So I have a multiple choice question for you, Chaz. Hey, go. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you five things that are in the movie, what, which one of these actually happened in 1975? Okay, so all of the things are in the movie. All of these things are in the movie, presented as, presented as fact. Only one of them is fact. Only one of them actually happened. Yep. Where did you learn this, by the way? Like, which ones are true? Um, well, there, there, was some, uh, there was some nice little articles that were written a couple months after it came out to, like, the guide okay. to the Rolling Thunder Review, what's real and what's fake. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Got it. Because right. even no, though, no. yeah, even though it all looked real, it was like even I, you know, I'm a I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, but I don't know every single detail of like sure. the Rolling Thunder review. Not yet, uh, anyway. Well, <laughs> now I do, you know, fortunately or unfortunately. All right. Um, uh, contemporary and archival interviews with the original documentary filmmaker of the Rolling Thunder review, a uh, a documentarian named Stephen Van Dorp. That's one of the things that was presented in the movie. Number okay. two, the actress, Sharon Stone, uh, which, by the way, Yowza, still looking great, Sharon Stone. Yeah, nice one, Sharon. Well, uh, this was her recounting the tale of how she briefly joined the Rolling Thunder Review in 1975 as a teenager. Okay. Okay, number three, how it came to pass that on the Rolling Thunder Review, they did one of the shows in a mahjong hall for a bunch of old ladies. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number four. U.S. House of Representative member Jack Tanner and close friend of then-President Jimmy Carter uh, hears the song Hurricane, which came out around this time, um, which results in the stay of, uh, in the in the retrial for Reuben Carter, the boxer who yeah. I've talked about several times. Okay? That's Representative Jack Tanner. And number five, Dylan starts to wear his famous white face makeup after violinist Scarlett Rivera takes him to see a Kiss concert. <laughs> So Which one is these, real? All five of these show up in the movie. All five of all them five are of them lovingly recounted as fact. Only one of them is fact. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that Bob Dylan got his makeup ideas from David Bowie, of course. So. <laughs> well, duh. I'm not true. <laughs> well, uh, duh, I'm, 
I'm going to go with the Sharon Stone one. Why not? The Sharon Stone I, one is true? Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. true. It's not true. The only one that's true is that he played in a... They played in a Mahjong Hall. They played in a Mahjong Hall. Yeah. They did. Uh, the Sharon Stone thing, there's like three separate, you know, interview things, portions with her, you know, now talking about this thing and they have archival photos of her and they're talking about the shirt she's wearing and when they met and all this stuff. It's just like, uh, <laughs> my head, my head was spinning. I'll tell you what, at the, at the end of all this. All right. And the number one takeaway from the Rolling Thunder review documentary, Chaz, it turns out, you know, above all, I had a very special evening with everyone's. Favorite tasteful purveyor of tasty licks. Oh, Someone you yeah. may know. You know him. I know him. Nick Ronson. Nick Ronson. We're a bunch of it's idiots. It's amazing how many episodes Nick Ronson has made it into here. Well, this one, this one was a slam dunk because I got to see him in action. I, I have not watched a lot of the Spiders from Mars videos or anything oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, he's, so, he's awesome to watch. He's fun to watch. So um, a few takeaways from this takeaway. Um, there, are, there, are generally, <laughs> there are generally, like, because I was like, where? It's a takeaway takeaway. <laughs> I was like, where, where's Mick at? You know? I mean, naturally. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> So the first time I saw him, because um, I don't really know what he looks like, there's there's generally like 15 or 16 people on the stage at all times on the uh-huh. interview. It's like a carnival. Uh-huh. He is the most British-looking person I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Is like we looked that British earlier. It just in comparison to the all the other people, yeah, you know the Americans and the Canadians and what have you standing around. Like his hair. <laughs> Was I incredible. Don't know what looks like in it's ridiculous. In it was like it was like I don't know what it looks like. In it was like. kind of parted down the middle, but he sort of had bangs. But then it came down like well past his shoulders, what and he's got like this. Hot? He's got this like tight T-shirt. You know, okay, that, that actually comes, sounds pretty similar to what his hair was like in seventy. And these tight, you know, bell-bottom jeans and what have you. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Chaz, he is just he's just ripping it. He's just oh, like yeah. Oh, yeah. anytime okay. it's his turn to solo, he is he just goes for it, and he does this thing which he does this move. Which uh, you know, I try not to. I try not to get scandalized by, uh, but it was mesmerizing. <laughs> he does the thing where his guitar's slung low over his over his over oh, yeah. his pelvis, and he just sticks his pelvis guitar out at you while he's like ripping it. He's like, <laughs> but like the guitar's coming at you, but it's attached you know, to his pelvis. <laughs> how man should throw Bowie be like back to back with him, or right. Bowie pretending to perform fellatio on him while he's while he's doing that exact move? Does t- that happen? I'm telling you, you know, Mick Mick does not need David Bowie. He is <laughs> he's just well, he, he's out his there. solo career tanked right before what you're talking about. So. I know, and 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 of course, David Bowie David Bowie kicked him to the curb. Um, I was disappointed. <laughs> I was disappointed to After learn after helping him with his solo career. I had uh, I had imagined that on the Rolling Thunder review, like he and Bob became best friends. You know, they just like they frogged through the meadow, holding hands, mm-hmm. and playing tasty guitar licks to each other. But apparently, like no, Bob Dylan really kicked him to the curb after that. <laughs> well, I, he brought him along as some sort of favor, and I don't know why. But then he didn't really interact with him that much on the tour. Yeah. So sorry, sorry, everyone. <laughs> All right, so those are my those are my five takeaways from the Rolling Thunder review documentary by Martin Scorsese. I will move on to the thing that happened concurrently on the same day, which is the release of the Rolling Thunder Review concert boxed set by Bob Dylan. Oh, man. Okay. That not, thing looks sweet. It you is sweet. It's it so good. sweet. It looks real, real good. I, uh, I, 
I got it back out as I was doing my research for this and just, you know, I just fondled it. It's so nice. It's so good. <laughs> rubbed it gently across I just me. rubbed it. Well, it's got that, it's got that soft. Placed it on the pillow next to me where my <laughs> wife usually lays. Right. I said, honey, you go to the couch tonight. <laughs> me and the RTR have a date, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't want to know. Too far, Jake. I don't know what you mean. Too far. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is a this is not a bootleg series, which I don't know why, but I think it's I don't know why. They I think it's just said it was a bootleg series. I think it's because it. they already put out a bootleg series, a much smaller one, um, from the Rolling Thunder review in like yeah, whatever they've done that before. I know, come on, guys, like, because it's a deluxe box set. It has it has is with other bootleg series. It has all of the concerts, and it also it's fourteen discs. Oh. <laughs> um, Baby. It's got N plus, it's got all the concerts, plus it's got three discs of rehearsal outtakes, uh, rehearsal footage, and a bonus disc with miscellaneous performances and interviews. And it's in a very, it's got a very handsome book shoved in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's the, the, the parallel is the 1966 live recordings box that they put up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2016, I believe, of the, of all of the extant uh, uh, audio from the from that, but they didn't do anything with that other box set. They didn't put a book in there. They just shoved thirty six oh. CDs into a into a box. <laughs> okay, but this one has like all the. It's got the big book and all the essays and all that stuff, which is like, why is this not a bootleg series? I don't get it. Um, I'll just I'll just say that it it looks like a ticket stub. It's like a big box, but it looks like a ticket stub, so you can like, yeah. You could, you know, I imagine that if... Pretend that you went there and that you're lovingly keeping this ticket stub. <clears throat> Absolutely. Forever. Only it has 14... It's really gigantic ticket stub. It has 14, has, it has 14, 14 CDs, CDs in it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's special. And, uh, and I, actually like, I actually like it quite a bit. I'll give it points later. But that came out on the yeah. same day. Um, the other thing that happened is that he put out an actual bootleg series. Yeah. Uh, number 15. Which... Yeah, technically covered, you know, the exact same period as yeah. was made from the air. I know there there will be forever be competing, even though they didn't. Which know is each the, other. the second time that's happened to us in recent years. We had the uh, what was the other one? The late seventies box sets. That oh came yeah, you had trouble no more, and I had uh, New Career in a New Town came mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. very close together, and they covered the same period. It's almost as if the Bowie and the Dylan Camp were listening to this podcast and they wanted to give us something to talk about. <laughs> I can about. only assume. It's the only reasonable explanation. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, guys. Shout out to you guys at the record labels. <laughs> <laughs> the respective record uh, labels. Even if that other one happened, I think, before the podcast started. That's okay. All right. So this is a relatively... Oh, it's called uh, Traveling Through, 1967 to 1969. It's a relatively modest bootleg series. There's only uh, three discs in this band. Man. Band. I know. Good thing you got a 14-discard earlier this year. <laughs> exactly. Bringing her total to a cool, Otherwise, a cool 17. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you don't have, like, 20 vine- colored vinyls, too. We don't have going. any of those because we're not ridiculous <laughs> in the Dylan Camp. Uh, so we here, we here at the Dylan Camp are used to just a little too much with the Bootleg series, but this 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 might be just not not quite enough based on our, <laughs> based on what we're used to. Um, so it documents Dylan's forays into... Uh, his recording in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, his country music. So, if you'll recall, he went to Nashville and recorded most of Blonde Nashville on Blonde. Nashville Skyline. No, that's that's in the bootleg series. I'm talking about in 1966. He recorded almost all oh. of Blonde on Blonde in Nashville. Oh yeah, with right, Nashville right. musicians. Now that was not a country record, so I guess that didn't 
that didn't really matter to this uh, to this little paradigm they have going here. Um, so he went and recorded 1967's John Wesley Harding in Nashville, um, and then he went back and recorded Nashville Skyline. Doy, doy, featuring Johnny Cash. Uh, yep, featuring Johnny Cash, and he also right before that came out, he went and he had a had a quote legendary meeting with Johnny Cash in which they they were planning on doing a duets album. So they got together in an actual studio and tried to uh, try to figure out how to record some songs. Um, and then the fourth part of it is that he met with the legendary banjo player um, and pretty much one of the two people who invented bluegrass music, uh, Earl Scruggs. And they played like oh, yeah, that guy. they played like four songs together, uh, and I think Earl put him. I think he was on one of Earl's albums or something at that time. Anyway, I'd say the whole thing is like a little scattered musically. Um, one of the reasons is that the John Wesley Harding sessions were very short. I think he recorded the entire thing in like nine hours or something like that. Um, and pretty much there's pretty much only a couple outtakes because most of the uh most of the masters made it onto the actual album but also columbia records decided not to pay for storage fees in nashville for the (laughs) for the for the 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 recording sessions and so they think that these things are just out there somewhere and someone will find it in a bread box like that thing that bowie found in his bread box (laughs) So anyway, they didn't, they didn't really have much to draw like, from. And like, Dylan, Dylan mattered at that point. It he mattered. Like he was, you know, it wasn't like yeah. 1962 and it was his first album or It was his like, follow-up. for that. It was his follow-up to Blonde on Blonde and everyone thought right. he died. Like, it like, could not yeah. be, it could not have been more anticipated. You extra tapes. <laughs> Throw those things away. Yeah, we don't cool. need it. I'm a Columbia executive. <laughs> <laughs> CBS Records. In 1967. <laughs> I live in New York City. <laughs> and I don't like these tapes of Bob Dylan. <laughs> anyway, that happened. Um, I would I would appreciate a John Wesley Harding, you know, bootleg series full stop. Like, that's a great album. And the outtakes are good. Well, that's too bad, because you don't know where the tapes are. <laughs> Why don't you go knocking on doors in Nashville? (laughs) See if you can find it, jerk. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Go into Grandma's attic and see if it's there. (laughs) I like that. I like that guy. I think he's a good. I think he's a good guy. Good bit. Um, I'd say that uh, so Nashville skyline the the outtakes from that are just you know they're kind of interesting they're they're not this the, it just the striking thing about it is always his voice he just he went he went mentally insane when he decided to croon like that it's, <laughs> it's so weird. Weird. weird it is so weird and if you've you ever yourself, do yourself a favor just listen to a couple songs of Nashville skyline it's a fine album but he sounds so no, strange it's great he and I've I've explained before how endearing I find the whole thing but it's like what he made a choice that was a choice to sing like that and if you've ever tried to to actually sing anything in that voice it's actually kind of challenging it's difficult to be like I threw it all away <laughs> <laughs> It, all it may be hard, Jake, but America wants you to keep trying. <laughs> America didn't want him to keep trying, I'll tell you that. And they were like, yeah, you're not Bob Dylan. Get it out of here. 
And uh, what's interesting is he he sang a couple of the Nashville Skyline, Skyline songs with Earl Scruggs, but he was using his 1970 New Morning voice. And the songs mm. the songs are good. Like you know, if he just, if he just wasn't singing like that, I think it would have been a lot better received. <laughs> um, and then I'll say a little bit about what went on with the Johnny Cash sessions. Um, what I found interesting about that is his dynamic with with Johnny Cash. I guess they had been acquaintances and friends for quite some time, and uh, Johnny, yeah, sure. Johnny, Cash was, Johnny Cash was instrumental in keeping Dylan on CBS Records after his first uh, album flopped. Uh, Cash like recorded a couple of his songs and and you know implored them not to give up on Dylan after after he flopped at first, um, and so they had been you know. They'd almost almost been like pen pals, and and Cash had done a couple of his songs, uh, actually a bunch of his songs on. Albums. I enjoy like picturing them writing letters to each other, you know. I know. Um, I know. Me too. The mailbox, and they oh, oh hey, <laughs> hey. letter from Johnny Cash. Hey, hun, Johnny. Johnny wrote me, hun. Mm-hmm. And then Johnny's like, oh, good old Bob, wrote me a letter. <laughs> hey, Jew. Hey, Jew. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, were they even together at that at that point? What's that? Yeah, they were. <clears throat> uh, they were. In fact, um, on the on the on the bootleg series, uh, there's a there's a cute little part where where Johnny's like, "Hey, June, did I get the lyrics right for that Bob song?" And she's like, "Honey, you're gonna have to learn those lyrics if you're gonna do it tomorrow." Because he was recording the song. <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> I love Johnny and June. Uh, I'm the... assuming they're more endearing than you doing fake voices. <laughs> no, they're not. Because I'm kind of disgusted by them right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, you know what? If you were a little bit more like June and I was a little bit more like Johnny, this would be going a lot better. Yeah. Why do uh, it's so weird with you sometimes? What? <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say to me? <laughs> hey, keep going. <laughs> All right, so, so the dynamic... The dynamic is very much now, I, I'm not used to, uh, because everyone was always kissing Dylan's ring, especially at this by, by this point, um, Cash is definitely in charge. He's definitely like the elder statesman, and, and Bob is definitely there as sort of a subordinate to, to Johnny Cash. Just... Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Like out of, out of all the songs that they played together, only three are Dylan originals, and the rest are like old Sun Record ones or Johnny Cash songs. Mm-hmm. It's like every time it was like, hey, what should we play next? Johnny was like, you know Big River? And they'd start playing like a Johnny Cash song. Um, but there was obviously like a mutual respect. I just think it's interesting whenever Dylan is in that, you know, he's rarely in that like kind of just lower than the other person, um, uh, the other person dynamic. So the, the music's good. I mean, they actually don't, they don't sound terrific together when they're singing together. Like they both. Yeah, they're very sustainable. I read this to that one. There's only one song in Nashville Skyline that they sing. Yeah, there's together. just one. Yeah, girl. They don't. They don't blend well. They don't, and they're both such distinctive singers, and yes. they both have such uh, different phrasings and um, and stuff like that. Um, and also, you know, they just didn't like. I just don't think you know it was fun and everything, but they just didn't like mesh exactly. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, oh, and they also played, while they were playing together, they, they were mostly playing with the legendary guitarist Carl Perkins, who was on the Sun label and who just, I guess, happened to be stopped by. I don't know why, but it was like, it's kind of <laughs> it's sometimes. Yeah, it's like, hey, there's Carl Perkins. He can, hey, you know, hey, whoa, whoa. He could play with us. Um, and then another thing that came out, which I, I didn't know about, was a two, a two CD 50th anniversary collection, um, rights copyright dump from 1969 that they released in Europe only. And it was actually 
um, more outtakes from John Wesley Harding and Nashville Skyline. So why didn't make it onto the yeah? Why didn't they just because the, <laughs> there's three discs and only one of them is the outtakes from the two albums. They smash those onto one disc. So it's like why not put all these other little outtakes on there too? Right. And why just or they just put on a fourth disc and have all the stuff from this other yeah? Because I I bought I it for like that. I bought it for like twenty bucks. <laughs> it could have been what, four discs. The Bootleg series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like very reasonably priced. It, it wouldn't have killed them to make it a little bit bigger. Um, you know, like I said, we, we hear we're, we're very, uh, we're very used to having every single outtake and every single like fart that Bob Dylan did on an album. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, where's, where's those, where's those little, where's those little outtakes? Uh, I think that's all I got, Chaz. Hey, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. all like, we both had a lot to talk about this product based podcast. It was all about, well, it's this, this, that legacy. It's that sweet I mean, legacy. Bo is dead, so he's not doing a lot of anything else, but you know. Hey, Bob berated a fan at his, at his concert. Hey, that was good. That know? was contemporary. Oh, that's something we can all enjoy. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. All right, let's point it up here. So yes. we're going to start things off here, Jake. I did not ask you for your opinion on pointing because I knew you'd be fine with it. I am refusing to give any points for the vinyl box. <laughs> I love it. Because they all, all of the music, except for one uh, edit of a single version of his song, like all of everything of the, of the tracks that came out in the vinyl box also came out in conversation piece. Exactly. So you're going to points We're not going to look at those for points. We're only going to look at conversation As a deluxe piece. box set. So yep. that's good. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense to me. So conversation piece, again, it was a five CD, uh, big fat book. It's 120 page hardcover. It's nice, Jake. It's nice. real nice. Oh, yeah. This is a very exciting release. I really like loving this thing. Yeah. Um, like if the vinyl box sets hadn't come at all, uh, this would have been just like unfettered praise for me and nothing but. Yeah. Um, it's an extremely comprehensive look at Bowie in 68 and 69. He didn't do anything in 68. There were like three officially, I don't know, maybe more than that. Very few officially released tracks from 68 before this. Um, we got in 2019 from 68 and 69, we have 31 unreleased recordings yes. in a single year. Yes. Like for Bowie, that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That most Almost all of them are demos, but that, I think it's is 30, 29 or 30 of them are demos. Uh, that's more demos than it officially been released from Bowie period before this wow like period before this before this he had maybe 10 to 15 demos ever officially released from anywhere oh. this is not but we had a very like this whole bootleg series with demo with uh dylan or oh. every single take and every like but we didn't do that yeah he yeah very tight control on everything yep and what is kind of emerging in our picture of Bowie and what he did before he died, because he knew that he, he knew that he was dying for a year and a half. Okay. And he was very oh. concerned with his legacy. <clears throat> is it sure it seems as though he approved what songs could be released after he died. Okay. Like that he went through a whole lot of stuff and said this, 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 not this, 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 not this. Um, notably missing from 68 is uh, the Ernie Johnson musical. Oh, the what? The terribly named musical. No! Uh, but, it, but it also, like, it's kind of okay, because that, that tells me that Bowie really wanted quality stuff to come out. It's not okay with me, by the way. And, it's not I mean, okay. while I'm curious about this, like, I don't know, was this thing just complete junk? It's never gone anywhere. Nobody knows what happened with this. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but it was. it's a really... Awesome box. It's not perfect. We have the two versions of the album for no good reason. But I, I think the the idea behind it is to make it absolutely comprehensive. That you don't need to own anything else from this, and you get it all. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. There's like one recording not included anywhere. I love it. It makes it makes it, actual sense. Is what it makes it some kind of sense, even if a you know anyway. Yeah. Um. 
I wish there was a DVD on it. There isn't. Fine. Whatevs. Yeah, who cares? It. DVDs are dead. Uh, anyway. There's also tons of rumors going on online. It makes sense that they're going to keep doing this year by year going yeah. up. And 69 is the start of the golden years going up yeah. to 1980. And I Boy. could not be more excited about the next 11 out, years of all your releases. Get out your Even if all this crappy vinyl just dropped all over the place, <laughs> who cares? I can look forward to one of these babies at the end of the year. Yeah, that's good. Good release strategy. And I also wonder starting in about 72, there's going to be a lot of live recordings out there too. So I'm kind of mm. wondering either there's going to be tons more discs or they're going to start doing more than one a year. And oh man, either way, you got one happy Charlie. I'm just saying it. Hey. <sighs> Just saying it. Happy Chazzy. So, uh, let's see here. This one we're doing, uh, it's got a lot of unreleased stuff. We're doing it at a possible three points. I'm giving it two points okay. for content, because there is a lot of new content. The demos are fascinating, mm-hmm. especially when we don't get demos from Bowie. They just don't exist. Yeah, love it. Um, and later on, there won't be as many, because later on he recorded, like wrote and recorded most of the stuff in the studio. There wasn't a lot of, so there weren't demos ahead of time, but at this period there were. Okay. Um, I also give it a bonus point for the yep. deluxeness of it. Yep. It's a super swanky hardcover book, really great production values. Looks, uh, looks beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. Um, only the thing this year that is actually like, in my mind, eligible for points whatsoever is the Tim Machine live at La Sagal, half of a concert. <laughs> yeah. It does not get the possibility of three points because it's not no. the full show. Uh, I just decided to give it a half a point. All right. Like, I figured you'd be okay with that. That's fine. Um, That's it's fine. actually pretty good, like, better than I expected. I bought it going like, well, you know, it's reasonably priced and it's Bowie, so sure. buying it. Um, Got Tim it. Machine were a lot better live than on album. With the notable exception of their own, their only live album, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad. Shockingly. I've listened to other stuff with them live, too, and been like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. But not their live album. Oh, so. why? Oh, bad. Why to Machine Why? Yeah, their, their live video release, though, is actually pretty good. All right. Uh, but this is an interesting show. They uh, You will appreciate they cover Bob Dylan. Ooh, which one? Maggie's Farm? Maggie's Farm, that's the one. And it became, yeah, this is, they took recordings from this Three or four of the tracks were released as B-side slash singles. Um, so, yeah. So it's really only a quarter of it stuff that's new. <laughs> but uh, there we go. We ended up things with a three and a half. All right. Apple three and a half. Hey, solid. Solid. Okay. That means that uh, 21 releases were not point-bearing. <laughs> <Bowie>. Only 21. <laughs> only 21. <laughs> a pittance. A pittance. A mere pittance. All right, so uh, Dylan actually had a very, uh, you know, it was a lot of it was archival and a lot of it was looking backwards, but he had he had kind of a, a bigger year than I thought he would have. So uh, let's do the never-ending tour. My policy is if he didn't die somehow and he went on a world tour, he gets a half a point for that. So we're going to give him a half a point for his never-ending nice tour. Work. 2019. Um, the, uh, so I wanted to run this by you in real time. Uh, I don't think you'll have a problem with it, but we'll see. Um, so in the... In the Rolling Thunder Review documentary, um, usually for documentaries, if you're just a talking head, like you don't get points for that. You're just being interviewed. Yeah, yeah. But Dylan is acting in this. He was somehow convinced or convinced Scorsese to do like these interviews in which he recounted all of these other things that didn't happen. Things that didn't happen. Things. So he's okay. he's actually acting. So I was wondering if you'd yeah. be willing to throw me a half point. I think, uh, yeah, a half point sounds fair. Because Dylan yeah, never acts in movies. It. Bowie always does, so. All right, half point for acting. Uh, for the box set, which is a, a super deluxe box set. The Rolling, the Rolling Thunder The Rolling Thunder Review, right? yep. Yeah. 
Yep, thank you. Uh, so, you know, I already recounted, you know, how cool it looks and, and all the stuff that's in it. Um, it has, you know, a full, it has a full three discs, no, a full four discs of bonus material, as well as every show uh, that went off on there. So, now, this isn't always my cup of tea. Like, if there was, if this existed, you know, for like the 1966 tour where they did outtakes and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they had really, really good recordings of everything. I'd be, you know, I'd be wetting myself. Um, but in this case, like, it's... You are anyway. <laughs> well, it's been a while since I went to the bathroom, so... <laughs> the show's running long. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you know. Break it up now. We're like astronauts. We can't stop and go to the bathroom, so... <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give it, a, at a possible three, I'm going to give it a two. Um, it, it, uh, it, it, I, I have a better appreciation for the music after having watched the documentary. Yeah. Like watching him perform was, you know, gave, gave it an extra, an extra boost. So, uh, Brooke and I were both like, we got to put some of that on after watching the documentary. So it's got, it's had a little bit of revival in my household. Um, so I'm giving it two and then it gets, it gets the point for the presentation point. Like it's a yeah. really cool box set. It just, the lid lifts off. And I know there's a name for this where like the inner part is just a little smaller than the upper part and you just lift the mm-hmm. box off and all of the CDs are just lined up in there. Just lined up like cows in a row. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so that gets a that gets, no one over there. <laughs> that gets a three that gets a three point oh uh total. And then bootleg series volume fifteen, traveling through, 60, yeah. 67 through sixty nine. Totally solid. Um, like I said, it's a little scattered musically. It's a little it's a little odd that all this stuff is kind of smashed in there. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen more from John Wesley Harding and and you know maybe even a little less from the the Dylan and and Johnny stuff. Like I know it was this kind of monumental meeting of the of the musical minds and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. the music actually isn't you know that fantastic. Um, so, uh, but you know, it's got the good liner notes. Very, very, very nice. It does not have the possibility of a, it's not a super deluxe, so we can't give it a, an extra point, but I give it a total. I give it a, a plus 1.5 out of a possible. Okay. Hey. You know, I'll think I'll, I, I'll, I'll definitely be throwing it on more in the future. And of course I've only had like four days with it. So, uh, and then he put out three singles in various, uh, in various, uh, format. So one was a single that he put out with a lyric video. It was an outtake from Nashville Skyline called Tell Me It Isn't True. All right, and yeah, yeah. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a rehearsal uh, from the Rolling Thunder Review box set called One More Cup of Coffee. And then there is a... That had a video as well uh, with archival footage. And then there was a song that he wrote like two days before he met with Johnny Cash called Wanted Man. Now, Dylan never played Wanted Man again, but Johnny Cash put it as his first song off the live album at, what's the prison? Not San Quentin. Live at Folsom. Yeah, Live at Folsom. Folsom. So Wanted Man. The only, it's the only Johnny Cash album I own. It's a great album. Uh, great album. Johnny Cash opened his concert with Wanted Man, which he had heard from Bob Dylan just like days previous and loved oh, it. I didn't know that. Bob Dylan never played it yeah. again, but it's a Bob Dylan song. So they put out a little, they put out a little single about that. Uh, with archival footage on YouTube, um, so I, all of those together, I, I say like warrant like one point, like maybe <laughs> for all three of them. Yeah, I mean maybe like half, half for sure, sure. half for tell me it isn't true because it was an actual single, and the rest. I mean singles these days, you can just you can just throw something up on YouTube and call it a single, but that doesn't 
you know, it's not quite the no, same as it used no, to be. No, no, But they're all good, so I'll give it a one point for all of them. We'll say half point. They for should have released it as a picture disc. <laughs> Why didn't they? Maybe in like three or four different color variations. I think that that's coming next year. I'm almost sure of it. I can't wait. I'm going to get out my checkbook now. Hey, uh, when you're done, I'm going I'm to tell one ridiculous vinyl story that I forgot about. But all right. Cool. Well, good thing I'm done. Let's let's add it up here. All my points add up to plus six point five. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a Dylan, kind of a big year for Dylan. I know you ear. Thought you give me a run for your money. I thought I might pull it with three point five. I know. I, I didn't. You know, if it weren't for like it. one of these things, you you may you may very well have. Yeah. But good year. Good year for both. Hey, I'm gonna okay. regale everyone with one last ridiculous vinyl story. Take us out, baby. So, conversation piece. What I did not mention with conversation piece, it, it I did mention the fact that it has a full new mix of Bowie's second album, now commonly called Space Oddity, by yes. Tony Visconti, his longtime producer. Sure, sure. Uh, this new mix of the album was also released like separately. Like you wanted to just buy this on oh, CD and vinyl. That's nice. But Jake, on uh-huh. vinyl, if you bought it. <laughs> And I don't. I didn't count this towards all of the different versions. I know, it's kind of at least as one. It's a random color release, Jake. A random <laughs> color release. So if you got numbers one through nineteen sixty nine, it's silver, Jake. Oh wow! And if you got number nine, numbers nineteen seventy through uh, twenty nineteen, you see what they did there. Exactly, I got it's it. It's gold, Jake. <laughs> And okay. if you were one of those poor bastards <laughs> who got twenty twenty above, it's black. And you're oh, a chump. black! A chump. A Non-blacker. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if they didn't even sell 2019 copies of that? And they're like, we have all these black so, copies. Who's going to want them? I guess, them? like, retailers, uh, the uh, the fine gentleman, Paul, whatever, at uh, Super Deluxe Edition. Oh, yeah, we love that guy. Paul. He was, like, complaining about... Because he sells a bunch of stuff online, too. And he was complaining about how... You, like, when you got stuff like this, you get tons of returns. Because people will buy, like, four copies. And then, you know, return the three black ones and keep the silver one. He's like... Oh, my God. Because nobody... Even the retailers don't know what color they have. Nobody knows what color they have. No, got, so. it's just in there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I, hey. You know, I wonder how much they count on people buying those and then, like, forgetting to return the other three. And they're like, yes. So... Ending on that beautiful anecdote. Oh, perfect anecdote. That consumer nightmare of an anecdote. Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just so glad I don't care about that junk. It's oh. Like, who, who can... We are... Consider, I know people out there... Who can care about all of it? I get it, like... Your fans of me who have more money than me do. I, I, I don't well, know. Definitely more money. No doubt uh, Next year. Next episode, yeah. I should say. Which wow. won't be next year. We'll be no. still the same year. Because it's the very beginning of 2020. Sure is. We'll be looking back at what some might say was the best year to be born in in history. <laughs> I know where you're going Big. with this. Yeah, it's not 1980. <laughs> and that year... It's not 1980? Okay. 1982. You millennial, you. And a year that I just so happened... To have been born in. Uh-oh. I mean, coincidence that mm-hmm. I just, that's the best year to be born in. That's the year I was born in. November 19th. No, yeah, there. Don't steal my identity, everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. And cool. social, cool. social cool. security cool. number is 555-555-555. That's right. I did get that coveted all fives. <laughs> social security number. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, I know how that happened. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So we're kicking things back at 1982. Yeah. The did much of anything, but they... Nope. Did it just the same? They were alive together. They're too busy preparing for my birth. 
They were too busy the preparing their preparing their, their comeback with infidels. <laughs> well, Bowie's planning his comeback, his legitimate comeback with one stance. Yeah. Only, gigantic, big, fat. Only one boring. of them had a gigantic, big, fat comeback. Yeah, uh-huh. In 1983. In 1983, but no, but not No, he may have legitimately been recording a Let's Dance demo on the day that I was born. That's possible. That's very special. Hey. That's very special. It's <laughs> very so special. special. Oh, special. <laughs> Such a special All episode. Right, Jake. Yeah. I'm Charlie, and I like Billy. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And we'll see you next time. Happy New Year, y'all.